welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I want to welcome you and thank you for listening wherever you're listening from or at, whether it's here in the nation's capital, over Radio One, WOL 1450 AM, throughout the world over the internet at WOLDCnews.com or Ethel, I'm sorry, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell.com. Welcome to everyone who's listening today. Uh, I hope that we will have some important information, useful, practical, down-to-earth information that you and your family and your loved ones, your friends uh, can use. Uh, Each week, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell comes to you to bring you important information that will hopefully give you peace of mind allow you to create, preserve, and pass on legacies that will set the foundation for legal and financial stability and security for yourself and for those that are important to you, either individuals, family, uh, which include nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, parents, grandchildren, grandparents, as well as churches and colleges and universities and causes, research for curing of diseases. All of these are potential recipients of your your largesse, of your uh, estate. And all of this is included or can be included when you go to a lawyer and let us help you establish your estate, establish and pass on in a legally enforceable way um, and follow your wishes, make sure that your wishes are carried out. Um, That's what this is all about. So please give me a call now while I'm on the air and try to call early at one 800 450-7876, 1-800-450-7876, 450 7876 If you have questions about wills, about trusts, about deeds, about probate, about people's entitlement to money and assets, uh, the whole idea of this program is to try and give you some information that will be useful in And not only you being able to take care of your business and take care of those that you love, but understanding how the law works. Uh, In fact, today I thought I would speak about what happens when somebody dies. What happens to their house? What happens to their bank accounts? What happens to their cars? You know, what happens? Um, Unfortunately, or however it is, whatever you want to call it, people die all the time, and nobody takes it with them. So they leave their house, they leave their cars, they leave their bank accounts, their jewelry, their uh, assets here. So I thought I would concentrate today on what happens when somebody dies, what happens to their house, what happens to the money in their bank accounts what happens to their cars, things like that. So if you have questions, 
please do call in while I'm here on the air. Um, and we're going to talk about that. But if, if you have questions about other things, if you've been thinking about things that you wanted to ask me, uh, you know, something came up during the week that you wanted to ask about, go on and call and I'll do my best to answer your questions. But please remember that whatever I say on this program or whatever is on my website is for information purposes only. There's no attorney-client relationship established by anything that's said here. It, you really must have a conference with a lawyer and before there's any kind of attorney-client relationship established. Okay, so because each individual person and your circumstances really are quite different. And you need a lawyer who's talking to you, listening to you, getting your your particular facts in a private way to be able to tell you exactly what you should do. What I'm doing here is giving you ideas, trying to educate you, and to inform you. And I will continue to do that. So please do call if you have questions, and I will do my best to explain the principles around what happens um, given the facts that you are telling me about, at least as best I can. Because law is powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It does impact everything that you do. What you don't know about the law can really hurt you. And it can hurt your for generations. It can hurt your family. I can't tell you how many families I know of who do not have the benefit of either the home, the property, or the money that could have been generated if they were able to sell the properties um, because their mother, their father, their grandfather, their grandparents did not do a will. And they can't come to any kind of agreement. Nobody's bothered to pick up the, or nobody's been able to successfully pick up the baton, so to speak, and go to court and figure out what needs to be done and get it done. Um, so each week, I'm trying to empower you by giving you information, but you've actually got to use it. You've actually got to go to a lawyer. You've got to put things in writing, and you've got to put them in writing in a legally enforceable way. It's not enough to just write down on a piece of paper what you want. That may not be enforced by the court. Okay? So try to use the law. Try to use those of us who have been trained in law, who do this every day, all day long, um, because it will make a difference. It will make a huge difference to your family and to those that you leave behind. Okay? So this law program is brought to you by my law office, where the only kind of law we do is we prepare wills, trusts, our attorneys, advanced medical directives. We assist people in administering estates and trusts. So give us a call at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. We continue to work very hard virtually. Uh, we meet and have documents signed when they're ready to be signed, but that's the only time. Otherwise, we either talk to you over the phone if you have access to a computer, we do it through a video conference. If you don't or you're not comfortable doing it that way, 
I will mail the draft documents to you and review them with you by phone before you come in. I don't just put things in front of people that they've never seen before to sign. I want you to know what you're signing. So like I say, give us a call at 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to schedule a consultation, an appointment where we talk about your 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 situation and figure out what's the best way to manage what you need and then proceed to go forth and do it. We will send you a client information form uh, if it's for your personal affairs or if someone has died and we need to help you settle their estate, we'll send you a probate information form. When we get that back, then we schedule the consultation and we get started, okay? So give us a call, 240-638-2828, So let's talk about what happens when someone dies. This week, I've had several calls, two, at least two in particular, where a loved one had died. Um, unexpectedly also. They might have been elderly, they might have been sick, uh, but they died. And so I thought, and the families were emotionally distraught, but also legally, they didn't know what to do. They just didn't know how to proceed. They didn't know what they could do, what they couldn't do, what, what they were entitled to do, what happens to the bank accounts, what happens to their home, their property, and so on and so forth. So I thought, you know what, that would be a good subject for a program because it's going to happen to all of us, you know. Um, and so let's let's talk about that. What happens to their jewelry, their brokerage accounts, their cars, their house, you know, the CDs? What happens legally when someone dies? And I thought I would talk about it in terms of what happens when they die without a will? What happens when they die with a will? And then what happens when they die with a trust? So let's start, however, first of all, with what happens when somebody dies without a will. There's no will, and there's nobody else that didn't start with bank accounts because the first thing that happens is you got to figure out how to bury them. And funeral homes do not perform services unless they are guaranteed some kind of way that they're going to get paid. And they want to get paid. They don't want to just a promise, okay? Because once they put you in the ground, they can't dig you back up again, all right? So the very first crisis point often is mama died, either in the hospital or at the home. And, you know, the coroner has pronounced her dead. Somebody has to pronounce you dead, by the way. It's not just, it doesn't just happen and then you take them to the funeral home. Somebody has to pronounce you dead, an official uh, person uh, from the coroner's office usually, um, or maybe a, a doctor in a hospital. And then usually, uh, a funeral home is notified 
and they come to get the body. Now, at that point, funeral home wants to know, well, wait a minute, if we pick up this body, who's paying? And they like to know that right away. One of the biggest surprises that people have is that quite often the parent or whoever it is has been living with one of the children sometimes for years. And the child or one of them has been having access to their bank accounts. They're accustomed to writing checks for their mother or their father, let's say their mother. And but they never got their name put on the account. And let's just say maybe they even actually had a power of attorney. So they were doing it with the power of attorney. The bankers know them. And this has been going on for quite some time. But one of the biggest shocks that people have quite often is that once the owner of the account dies, the bank will freeze their accounts. They no longer allow you to have access to that money. And so what that means is mama may have told you, baby, I've got $10,000, $15,000 in my account. And you can see it there. You've seen it in the bank accounts. Um, and I want you to use that money to bury me with. Because, you know, people want to get buried and they usually leave instructions as to how to pay for that. That is that is a very real thing, especially in the black community. Um, our elders are concerned and they make arrangements or they try to make arrangements to pay for their burial. Uh, that's a cultural thing. I, it may be true in other communities as well, but I'm black and I know what happens in our community. But what a lot of people don't know is that even if the money is sitting in the account and you can see it sitting in the account, once the bank knows that your mother or father, whoever it is whose name, the only name on that account is dead, they are going to freeze access to that account, even online access. They will no longer negotiate checks that are written on that account, even if they're signed by a person who's accustomed to signing it and who has a power of attorney. The power of attorney dies with the person. Let me repeat that because I've had quite a few very well-educated people tell me that they're not worried because they have a power of attorney. So even if their mother or their father dies, they'll still be able to manage their affairs. And I say, no, 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 no. The power of attorney dies. It is no longer of any force and effect when somebody dies. So all of a sudden you discover that that $10,000, $20,000 in mama's bank account that she told you to use to bury her with is not available. Now. Every once in a while, the bank doesn't know. And so people have access to transfer money, you know, from the account. They're not supposed to do it, I'll be honest with you. Legally, once somebody dies, the only person that has the authority to transfer money out of that account 
and I'm assuming nobody else's name is on the on the account. If they put somebody, if mama put or dad put your a, a child or a spouse's name as a co-owner, not per, power of attorney, not payable on death beneficiary even, but as a co-owner, if it says and or, let's say this, Mr. Jones and and or Mrs. Jones, Mr. Jones and or Child Jones on the account, then Child Jones does have access to that account because he or she is considered a co-owner of the account. And what I advise my clients to do is make sure you have a written statement proving that, either saved on your account, on your, your computer, separate and apart from the own online banking account, because they still might freeze that account. I've seen them freeze accounts even when the spouse's name is on the account. I've seen them do it, and it's the devil to get them to unfreeze it and to get access to it, okay? But if you have a hard copy or you can print out a statement from your computer showing that your name is on the account as a co-owner, then you should continue to have access to that account, and that account actually belongs to you, okay? And you can go on and use that money to pay for the burial. But let's say you don't. Let's say we'll have Mr. Robert Jones uh, died, and Mr. Robert Jones's name is the only name on the bank account. And even if his son, Mr. let's call him Mr. William Jones, had a power of attorney, but the account is now frozen. Mr. William Jones, his son, who thought that he would be have access to this money and would be able to use it to bury his father with, can no longer get to that money. And the funeral home is looking at him saying, well, sorry, but we're not going to pick up your body or we're not going to provide services until we are guaranteed or we are paid, okay? And you can't get to that bank account. And there's no will. Even if there was a will, you'd have a problem. So you then have to meet together with the other members of the family or whoever. If you're an only child, you got to pay it out of your own money. What people do often as a practical matter is, let's say, there was a life insurance policy, and the policy did, in fact, name, let's keep it small, the four children as beneficiaries on the life insurance policy. And that is quite common, especially for people who work for the government. There's a fig leaf, we call it Federal Employee Life Insurance, F-E-L-I Group Insurance Policy, Life Insurance. And traditionally, people name their children or whoever they want to be the beneficiaries of that policy. And usually there's enough money in that policy to pay for the funeral. At that point, everybody who is named as a beneficiary has to sign an assignment, a written document that says to the funeral home, I assign, in other words, I promise, I agree 
that the insurance company will pay you first out of the death benefit of this policy before they paid me. So funeral homes are custom, at least in the African-American community, to receive and accept an assignment as an actual document that's signed by everybody that's named. So guess what? If one person who is named does not sign it, you've got a problem. If one person who's named is not available, maybe they're in jail. Maybe they're in another country. But if that everybody has to assign their share of the policy to the funeral home. Let's say the policy gave a death benefit of $25,000. And the funeral is going to cost $15,000, which is normal these days. Well, the funeral home takes that assignment. They get in touch with the life insurance policy. Let's say, I think, uh, I keep forgetting, who is it? Prudential, I think, is is, uh, who OPM uses. But it's a big insurance company, whichever one it is. And the funeral home then says, when they have the assignment, then they will say, okay, we'll take the body. You can select the, the, the coffin and all the other things that go with doing a funeral. You can do the same thing with the burial plot. Go to the funeral, um, the cemetery, and, and use the same assignment. And that's how a lot of people get buried. Okay? Now, if your parent died without that life insurance, or if your parent died and not everybody, because you don't have to agree. And, and we got some people in our family that just aren't going to agree. You know, they're going to say, no, I want my money. Because you really are giving your money to pay for the funeral. And, you know, some people realize that when somebody's died, they can't do nothing to them anymore. And I've seen situations where people refuse to agree to that. Or situations where there is no such insurance. And I've seen situations where bodies have had to lay in the morgue for weeks sometimes before people are able to bury their beloved their beloved one. So I strongly recommend that arrangements be made by my clients, or if you're listening, make arrangements. It could be something as simple as putting the amount of money that you expect that will be needed to pay for you to be buried and so on into a separate, maybe CD, certificate of deposit, and put somebody else's name on it so that when you die, that person will be able to access that money. Another way of doing it is to go to the funeral homes and purchase a contract, it's often called a pre-need contract, that says we agree to pay for, you know, I agree to pay for X amount of, you know, services, funeral services, your casket. They will, they will accept payment in this contract for almost everything but the opening and closing and flowers and sometimes the cars. Okay, but it's very helpful to families if that kind of a contract is already in place 
But again, you need to have a copy of that contract. You need to have somebody needs to know that there is such a contract and somebody needs to know that, you know, this is a funeral home. This is where the arrangements were made. It could be McGuire. It could be J&J. It could be any, you know, any funeral home. You, but you can have that kind of a contract set up. And I recommend that you do. And you can also do the same thing with burial plots. You can go out. You can pick the place where you want to be buried. Uh, or if you want to be cremated, you can pay for those services. Some people will cremate, be cremated. An urn is their ashes are put in an urn and then they're given to the families. They're what are called columbariums that will receive the urns if you want the urn to be placed in a particular place. You know, there are variations, but funeral homes are used to dealing with that. If you enter in a contract ahead of time and you pay for it, make sure that your loved ones have a copy of that contract so they know what funeral home it is, what you've already paid for, and that reduces significantly the financial burden on them as well as the anxiety and angst that's, that arises at a time when they're already quite distraught. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. I'm trying to explain to you some of the practical sides of what happens when you die or when a person dies, what needs to be done. And the first thing I'm talking about is how do you bury someone? Because that's the first step. That's the first thing. And that's got to be done before anything else is done. By the way, people ask me, will you pay for their, their travel and their uh, uh, hotel and all like that? And I'm like, not usually unless, they, unless you own the money. If you're a co-owner of the account, then you can do what you want to with it. But short of that, normally that's not paid for. Now, when I come back from break, I'm going to talk about what happens to the house and what else happens to the bank accounts when somebody dies without a will, when they die with a will, and what happens when they die with a trust. So let's go on to talk about, okay, so mama died. Mama's name is the last name on the deed. Let's say uh, your dad had died already. They had a deed that says, Tenants by the entirety. And so when your father died, your mother now owned everything and owned the house solely. She never did another deed. And her name is the only name on the deed. And she's now dead. Well, even if you are an only child, you still can't sell that house. At least you can't sell it legally until... And unless an estate is opened, and you can't even sell it even if there's a will that gives the property to you. So let's start there. There's a misconception that a will happens automatically. Once, I'm sorry, once a will is signed, and even if it's properly signed, properly attested, properly witnessed, there's an affidavit of attestation that is notarized and so on like that. It is still not an automatic legal document 
that gives you title to the property. In some states, Virginia is different from Washington, D.C., and Maryland, where Virginia allows you to uh, record a will um, as title, uh, but that is different. I'm going to concentrate on Maryland and D.C. so that those of you who are here will know what happens here. If you're listening in other states, you really need to ask a lawyer in your state what happens when somebody dies to the title, to the deed on property, okay? So let's, let's but for right now, I'm going to concentrate my um, uh, comments to Washington, D.C. and Maryland. Uh, Mr. Jones dies. Mr. Jones' name is the only name on the deed. And Mr. Jones has, let's say, two children, okay? Um, uh, I forgot the name I gave the child, but let's say Mr. William Jones and Miss Bertha Jones, his two children, both adults. Mr. Jones died, however, and he wouldn't do a will. Just refused to do a will. There are some people who just won't do a will. I don't know. They think that if they do a will, they're going to die. You know, well, guess what? They're going to die anyway, with or without a will. And when you die without a will, then you create problems. You still got some problems if you die with one, but if you die without one, there's even more problems. Number one, when you die without a will, nobody has any authority to do anything with your house. Nobody, okay? Nobody can sell the house. Nobody has any more rights to secure the house, to make sure that nobody goes in and trashes it. Uh, I've even had situations where people died without a will, and other members of the family, not even the children, go in the house and take the furniture and the pots and the pans, take art, take all kinds of things. And, you know, the family's scrambling. They call the police. The police said, well, is there a will? Is somebody in charge? Whatever. And all you can say, well, no, they died without a will. And the police said, well, you know, we can't tell one person against the other person. So at the very least, if there is a will, that will will designate or at least a properly drawn-up will, that will will say so-and-so is the executor or the personal representative, and that even before you're appointed with letters of administration, in most instances, the police will honor that. The court will honor that if you have to go to court and say, well, Mr. Jones has a will, he has a, and so Mr. William Jones can change the locks on the doors, he can go into the house, secure the house. And I tell my clients, when a house is empty, now that's the other thing, that's a problem. When somebody dies and they were the only persons living in the house, it is important, even if you have security in the, on the house, you know, ADT or whatever the different companies are, it's important that you remove from the house jewelry, art, Whatever things that are valuable that can be that can be picked up and walked away with, it's important that you remove them and secure them somewhere 
that they are secure. Now, it is not, you don't have the authority to distribute them. In other words, you can't just take the jewelry and take it for yourself and keep it if there is, if there are other people who are inheriting. I'm not saying people don't do it, because they certainly do, but you're not supposed to. I'll put it like that. So, but, but as a practical matter, it is wise if you have the authority to do so, to go and remove things that would otherwise be valuable and could get up and walk out, all right? Now, let's say Mr. Jones died and he didn't have a will, and he had these two children. Let's make it four children because we can have one that's a little difficult. Or maybe the two children, they don't get along. I've had people that had two children, they don't get along. Well, guess what? In order for them to be appointed, one of them to be appointed as personal representative, one of them has to fill out a petition. That's a form that's provided by the court in the county where they live or where the deceased person lived, okay, that the, what's called a domicile of the deceased person. And they go down to the clerk. Usually it's in part of the clerk of the circuit court. Often it's in the county seat, uh, wherever that is, and inside of the clerk of the court's office is a, a, a division called the probate division, or sometimes it's called the register of wills office. In Maryland, it's also called the orphan's court uh, or register of wills, and they provide forms that you fill out. It's usually called the petition for administration of the estate, and when you fill that out, with or without a will, you not only need to be able to say the name of the person, the address where the person lived, where they died, when they died, and by what right you are filing the petition. In the law, the law gives certain priority to appointment of personal representatives. Usually, almost always, the person who files the petition is also the person who is the personal representative or the executor of the estate or wants to be. I'll put it like that. And sometimes there's a race to the courthouse. Sometimes one person is trying to get there before the other person, okay? But somebody's got to fill out this petition. Somebody's got to name all of what's called the interested persons. Now, states are a little bit different. In Maryland, you don't have to have the names of all the interested persons when you initially file. Within a certain period of time after you file the petition, then you must file what's called, I think it's called the information report or something like that, list of interested persons, that's it. And that's a separate document in Maryland. In Washington, D.C., the list of interested persons is part of the initial petition. And so if the person died domiciled in Washington, D.C., you're going to file your petition in the Register of Wills in Washington, D.C. And the list of interested persons can be very long. I've had some petitions where there are more than 50 people involved, and you need the names and the addresses of all these people. Uh, If you want assistance with some of this, Give me a call at the office. The name of my law office is Wills and Trusts LLC. 
Our telephone number is 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828, and we'll be glad to schedule an appointment to have a consultation with you. we like to send you an information form so that when we do have the consultation, we have some specific information about your concerns and your situation, and we can give you much better advice that way. So again, give us a call at 240-638-2828. Today I've been talking about what happens when somebody dies, what happens to their home. First part of the program at 8.30, I talked about paying for the funeral. And now I'm going to talk about what I am talking about, what happens to the house when somebody dies. They're they're the only name on the deed, and with or without a will, who can do what? Quite honestly, nobody can do much of anything from a legal point of view except to take basic steps to secure the property. And guess what? While you are trying to get the information together to file your petition, And even after you have filed your petition for administration of the estate, until you are appointed as personal representative or executor, with or without a will, you can't get to the money. But in the meantime, the mortgages still have to be paid. If there's a mortgage on the house, it still has to be paid. Somebody's got to be paying the light bill, the heat the electricity, somebody's got to keep the grass cut. Somebody has got to keep the house in reasonable condition. Or those of you who would be inheriting from, inheriting this home or the money that will come from the sale of the home will be seeing their investment destroyed, okay, or losing in value. But as a practical matter, What people find is they have to go into their own pockets to pay for these things. Because, again, as a practical matter, with or without a will, you do not have immediate access to the money in the deceased person's account to pay these bills with. You just don't have it. They've frozen those accounts. But those things have to get paid or the house will go into foreclosure They'll cut off the electricity. Sometimes in the winter, we have to make special arrangements for, you know, heating and water and so the pipes don't freeze. Uh, And all this time, you're using your own money, okay? But let's say you file your petition um, with or without a will. You have to name anyone who would have inherited from the person if there was no will. Even if there's no will, you have to name everyone. And a lot of people don't realize that what that means is this. If the person who died was married and their spouse is still alive, even if they had no children, if their parents are alive, then the parents have to be notified because the parents would inherit from the deceased person not just the spouse. Now, 
Every state has its own laws of intestacy. I won't go into the detail with that. But under the laws of intestacy, that's where you look to see who would inherit if there is no will or who will if there is no will. So you might find that even though you're the surviving spouse, you might have to, and there's no children, there, you may still have to, you know, notify and get permission from and share the assets with the parent. Let's say both spouses are deceased or maybe the person never married, but they had children. All children have equal rights to, to file the petition. All children will be uh, distributed to them equally. Uh, and so the names and addresses of all children have to be provided to the court. Person dies, has no children, never had any children, but they had brothers and sisters. And let's just make it really interesting because this happens often. Two of their brothers and sisters died, leaving children, and the other two are still alive. So you need the names and addresses of those who are alive because they are heirs at law. And you need the names and addresses of the children of the predeceased brothers and sisters. Because again, they are they stand in the shoes of their parents. And if there is no will, they will inherit what their parents would have inherited. So you see, all of this is complicated because the person died without a will. They didn't name anybody to be in charge, and they didn't say who was to be um, who was to receive. They may have assumed that their spouse would get everything. They may have assumed that their brothers and sisters who are surviving would get everything. Don't assume anything. Please, don't assume anything. Have your will done and say exactly who you want to get your property. If you are single, say who gets your property. If you have children, you want your children to get your, your property, Say you want your children to get your property. If your children are minors, say who's going to be in charge of the property for those children. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. The only kind of law we do is this. And it is so important because when somebody dies, you can't go fix it. After somebody dies, nobody else can do a will for them. After somebody dies... Nobody else can sign a deed for them. The court can appoint somebody who then has control over the property and who, if they are appointed unsupervised or they're appointed with no limitation, they may be able to sell the property. But guess what? Even when the property is sold, they are not entitled to immediately distribute that property to, even if there's only one heir, they can't even distribute it to themselves right away unless all creditors have been notified and satisfied one way or the other, either paid or disputed, and the dispute has been resolved. And everybody has been noticed, been given notice in the newspaper as well as, you know, certified mail return receipt requested. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Give me a call, please, now while I'm on the air at 1-800-450-7876. 
1-800-450-7876. Or if you want assistance in taking care of these things and making it easier on your family as well as on yourselves, because if you are the adult children and your mother or father is elderly, they're going to pass away. You want to call us and let us help you. If you're in the D.C., Washington, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia area, let us help you put things in order so that there's not this kind of confusion and difficulty when they pass away. If you own a house, please do a will. I don't care what your age is, especially if you have children, please do a will. It makes such a difference. You don't have to wait till you pay off the mortgage. Do a will. As soon as you buy that bad boy, even if you don't have any equity in it, you have a bank account. Do a will. Okay? Good morning. Good morning. How can I help you? Um, yes. Hi. Um, you actually kind of answered some of the questions that I had. My mom uh-huh. recently passed on March the oh. 1st. Oh, I'm and, sorry. Um, sorry. Um, thank you. Um, she had, yeah. she actually, and I'm in Maryland, so she actually uh-huh. did have a will, um, and That's she good. has a property, yeah, she has a property where she still actually owes a balance, and I'm her only child. She's not married, okay. and, okay. um, I'm not, I'm not on the D. That's the only issue. I'm not on the D. Okay. Uh-huh. I live in the house. Okay, that's good. And I've been paying the mortgage. So I've been paying it all along. Um, Anyway, um, I don't know what to do from this point. Okay, very good question. Let me tell you. You want to file a petition. What county are you in? Baltimore. Where? Baltimore. Baltimore, okay. You want to file a petition in Baltimore County. If it's either Baltimore, you know, there's Baltimore County and there's Baltimore City. So, uh, I'm Baltimore City. Okay. So, you want to. I'm Baltimore City. Okay. You want to get the petition, or you can go online. Maryland's petitions are the same all over the state, okay? Um, Okay. But you want to file a petition to have her estate probated, okay, in the Register of Wills, which is part of the Orphans Court for Baltimore City, because you're going to file it in the court where she was domiciled. That's what, that's what controls. It's a form. Okay. It's not there. You can, I'm sure you can fill it out. Uh, I don't know how they're working now, but sometimes they will even help you fill it out. You know, the, the clerk's. And, again, you need to call them and ask them if you can come down. I don't know if they're taking in-person appointments yet or not, but they used to. But people could go down, and they would help you fill out the form. Okay, there's a petition. It it says, uh, you know, in the name of the estate of, and that would be your mother's name. Uh, To the right side, it would say what county it is, and you'd put Baltimore City County. The court is going to assign an administrative number for the case, okay? They're going to give that number, and that number will always be that number for that case. So you can always go back and check on it. You are going to be the petitioner, okay? You're going to be the petitioner, 
your name. You're going to put the name of your mother. It's a matter of the estate of, and it'll be your mother's name. In Maryland, no, it's D.C. that wants her age. Maryland doesn't. That's not important in Maryland. But sometimes they ask what, what the ages were, but that's not important. What's important is you list yourself as a petitioner. You say who you are, i.e., her only child. And mm-hmm. you would also say that you are named, I'm assuming you were named as the personal representative in her will. Yes. Right? She said you're supposed to be in charge. So you say I, I was, I'm the only child and I am named to be personal representative in her last will and testament. Okay? Okay. You, they're going yes. to ask a little bit about what property she has. And you don't have to, you know, be too specific. In Maryland, the first part, is, is very simple. It just says how much the value of the property is, and you can go and look on the tax assessment of that property and use that value. Okay. You don't have to get a new appraisal or anything like that. Just use that value. And if she had any bank accounts that were solely in her name, now okay. keep this in mind. If the bank account had your name on it, you don't have to list it. It's already yours. Okay? It's okay. not part of the estate. Okay, but if it's just the house, then you put the house down. There's a place in the Maryland petition that asks if there are any, uh, if there's any property or anybody's going to inherit that would have to pay an inheritance tax, and you just leave that blank because you don't have to pay an inheritance tax. In Maryland, if you are the spouse, the child, the grandchild, the parent, or the sibling of the deceased person, you don't pay an inheritance tax. So just leave that empty, okay? Then you fill out the rest of it. You sign it. You bring the, um, you may have to go get the form, fill it out, and then when you go back to actually file it, take the Uh original last will and testament, get an original death certificate, okay? okay? And take it to the court. And sometimes they will want to see the funeral bill. Sometimes, not always. Okay, but if you have it, just bring it with you. Okay. okay. Why? Why do they want to see that? I, it's just an old thing. I think they want to make sure that the funeral has been paid for. Okay. Oh, okay. That, that's that's in D.C. You have to say on the petition who was the funeral bill paid and who paid for it and how much. Okay, I don't think Maryland okay. does that. I don't remember that being on the petition, but I have gone to open estates and they've asked for it. So I tell people, if you got it, just add, just bring it with you, okay? Okay. Bring your identification, bring some kind of ID to show who you are, to prove who you are. And then there mm-hmm. will be a few other documents whose forms you can get as well. There's a notice that has to be put in the newspaper, they will ask you what paper you want. Just tell them whichever one they use because they have specifically designated newspapers that you have to use to publish in. Okay. I always find the black okay. paper and put that one in, but sometimes they, there's an official one that you also have to put in. I think, Marilyn, you can, you all, you can just choose which one you want, and, and they'll okay. send the publication to be sent out. You take all of okay. that. You're going to sit with a, a, a clerk. In Maryland, they mm-hmm. divide their clerks. They have a clerk that opens estates. They're, if it's a big oh, okay. county like Prince George's, they'll have several clerks, and they're very, very okay. good, and they're very nice. They really are. They will go over the documents okay. with you. 
They'll help you sign it. They'll make a determination with you whether it's a regular estate or a small estate. Okay, they know what they're doing. Uh-huh. And then they will receive the papers. And in Maryland, they will issue letters of administration to you usually while you're sitting there if everything is in order. Okay, that's one oh, of the okay. big things about Maryland, which is really great. Now, that may not be true in all counties. Prince George's County okay. is the most efficient county around here when it comes to issuing letters of administration. Because if your documents okay. are in order, they will issue those letters while you're sitting there. Okay? Oh, the wow. letters are good, too. Okay. But, but I know Prince George's County will. I think Montgomery County will say, uh, we'll take the papers. You have to get a bond. You may have, if the if the if the will was done right, you won't need a bond, okay? But and sometimes okay. even if the will says you don't have to have a bond, they still gonna make you do what's called a nominal bond. That's just an insurance okay. policy that says you won't run off with the money, and which is okay. crazy because you you're getting everything, okay? But there may be right. they may say you gotta have that, and if so, the clerks can usually give you the name of a bonding company that you can go and get the bond, and all you do is you pay. A, a premium for the bond, like a hundred dollars oh, okay. or something okay. like that. Okay. Um, oh, yes. When okay, and then and then when you're when the petition is accepted, the letters of administration will issue, and that's a letter from the court with the court seal that says in the estate of and it'll have your mother's name, your and yes. then it'll have your name was appointed as personal representative of the estate. And it goes on with language that says that you are now in charge of whatever property there is that your mother owned. And it'll have the court seal on it. Okay, it'll have the court seal on it. Okay? Okay. In your case, in your case, you will still be responsible for your mother's debt. Okay, please understand you have to pay her bills. Okay? Okay. If, If she has an estate, if she has money, you know, you have to, if she has a house, you're going to have to figure out how to pay her bills, okay? Okay. But what is good about your situation is once you are appointed as personal representative of her estate, you can go to yes. a lawyer and have a lawyer prepare a personal representative's deed from oh. you as personal representative of her estate to yourself. Oh. Okay. The bottom line is you want to get that house into your name. I do. I really do. Your name. Okay. That once it's in your name, you can do something with it. But as long as it's still Uh in her name, you can't do anything with it. Okay. So the objective of the probate is to get the deed changed to the living person. Okay, so that's what you want to have done. And you want a lawyer to help you prepare what's called a personal representative deed. That's a deed that goes from the deceased person's name to the persons who are alive. Uh, It does not, however, uh, control what happens with the mortgage. Usually, as long as you're paying the mortgage, the mortgage company doesn't have a whole lot to say about it. But, and there, I've seen language, but I've never really tested it out. 
that if there is a will that says you're to get the property, then they can't make you refinance. But I've not had to deal with that. So I'm not going to guarantee you that. But that's your objective. You want to get your name on the deed, okay? But thank you for calling in. Excellent question. Excellent question. I understand I have another caller on the line. Good morning. May I help you? Hello. Good morning. Are you there? uh, Yes, I'm here. You hear me? I can hear you now, yes. Uh huh. Okay. Good morning. I'm calling from the state of Virginia. My dad has passed, and I am the executor of his estate. Uh-huh. Uh, in, his, in his will, he put down in his will to divide proceeds from an heir property to uh-huh. my sisters and his grandchildren. And mm-hmm. when he put that in the will, I got a little crazy because I said, wow, this, this doesn't sound like it's going to be easy to close mm-hmm. out the state at the end of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm dealing with a lawyer right now. And he did ask me, was there any intention of trying to sell my dad's portion? I said, absolutely not. My family that owns the property is not trying to sell anything. They're actually trying to uh, look into developing something on the property. So how would I go about, is that going to take a long time for me to close out the estate because that clause is in the will? You really need to talk with your lawyer. On first blush, blush, I should say, it could be said that the, the clause says, hey, the, the the results of the sale, but if there is no sale and there is no money to pay, then it could be said that that clause is non-effective. But okay, I, I, I hesitate because the there may be, yeah, that, that you really need, because you know, I'm really talking off the top of my head now, and that may not be right. Yes, ma'am. So that's what I'm saying. No, it sounds correct. It sounds correct. Yeah. I did talk to the lawyer about this, and I told him we have absolutely no intention of selling my dad's portion of that property. We're not going up against our family to do that. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering how long this estate is going to remain open because of that clause. That was my concern. Well, speak with speak with your lawyer because he'll know all the facts around it. But in mm-hmm. general, let me just, because I'd like to be general with, when I talk about things. When somebody puts something in a will, and let's just say, for example, he had said a particular piece of property was to go to someone, not that it was to be sold. But before he died, he had already sold that piece of property. Or maybe he had already given that piece of property to someone. Or he no longer, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, owned that piece of property. Then that clause in the will is what we call lapses is of no consequence because he doesn't even own it anymore. You see what I mean? It's not possible for you to do what he said to do in the will because he didn't even own it when he died. Okay. Okay. And that's something that people need to understand. They're worried sometimes that if they say something in the will, that means that they can't sell or they can't do certain things with their own property. You can still do it as long as you are alive and competent to do so because the will does not take effect until you actually die. And if when you die, you no longer own the property, then that part of the will, you just notify the court 
well, Your Honor, before he died, he sold this property. And so that clause is of no, we can't accomplish that clause. It's of no force and effect, period. Right. And then you move on. And can, okay. Can I ask you one more question? Um, okay. After going through all of this, after going through all of this with my dad, isn't it better to have a trust so that you don't have to go through probate? Is that correct? Absolutely. You're absolutely okay. correct about that. Yeah. Not only do okay. you need to have a trust, though, just so you know, you also need to change the title to your property into yes. your trust. You need yes. to put your bank account into your trust. But, yeah, makes the sense. trust is scheduled up, is, is set up, and we're talking about a revocable trust, a regular revocable trust. Usually that's what we're talking about. The trust is set up to avoid probate. So let's okay. say you yeah. have your own trust. You put your house, the deed to your house in your trust. You put your bank accounts in your trust. And your trust is, when I die, give my house to my children. Okay? And let's right. assume they're adults. Okay? Let's make it simple. Mm-hmm. Give my money mm-hmm. to my children. Okay? So you die. The trust still has to pay your bills. Can't get around paying your bills. Okay. Right. But once those bills are paid, the trustee can sit with the lawyer, do a deed from the trust to your children, record the deed, and it's theirs. The trustee can sit with your lawyer, do an accounting of the trust to say what was in it when they died, what taxes had to be paid, what bills had to be paid. This is what's left over. And so this is how the trust is to distribute. You, you distribute the accounting to those those persons, review it with them if they want, get their consent, and then write them a check, and you're done. Great. Trust is that's much I, easier. You know, it really is. Result, yeah, that's the result that I've, I've seen since I've gone through probate. I said my dad was a very smart person with money, but he was 90 years old, and he was still doing things in the 20th century. He basically thought yeah. the will was enough. Well, most but people, yeah, most people don't realize Right, yeah. right, right. Well, yeah, I really and and you've been very helpful, and I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you, and thank you for calling. That was a very good question. Thank you very much. You all have been listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Give us a call at Wills and Trust LLC, two four zero six three eight two eight two eight two four zero six three eight two eight two eight We'll be glad to send you the client information form that gives us some basic information about you, your property, who you want to be named as your personal representative, your power of attorney, your medical directive agent, what property you have, and how you want it to be distributed, more or less, okay? And then we talk about it. We schedule an appointment. We talk about it. If you want to move forward, then we send you an engagement letter a place where you can do a retainer deposit and we get started with your documents. It's all we do. If you need assistance in administering an estate, probating an estate or administering your trust, give us a call also, 240-638-2828. Please tune in next week. I will be back, God willing. And in the meantime, get your shot, still wear your mask, and be safe. Have a good day. A woman will sell her precious body. A small piece of paper, it carries a lot of.